and welcome to Free Your Geek, episode number two, also known as Jay Free the Geek, episode two. So uh, just quick heads up, we're changing that around. Um, the name is no longer going to be Jay Free the Geek because I think that's stupid and I'm not narcissistic. So we're going to change it to Free Your Geek. So that's what you're going to be listening to now. Uh, I am your host, Jay Free, and alongside me, per use, is co-host KB. Hey, what's up, everybody? What's up? What's up? All right, KB, what's going on uh, right now? Um, how do you feel, first of all, before we even get into industry news? Let's not let's not get into that right now. Do you like the name Free Your Geek? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's, do you care to expand on that? It's uh, you know, it it sounds more like the freeing the geek inside of you, right? Which is which it is was the kind of like we were just saying, you know, free free the geek within us, and it was more uh, what's it, the word I'm looking for? I didn't want to be so self centered. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And, and uh, to to our listeners, we're flying solo today, uh, and by solo I mean just myself and KB. Uh, we have no guest. Um, it's kind of a short week for us. We have a couple things going on. Uh, so we couldn't get a guest, but that's going to change with the next one to two shows. Um, KB is actually working very diligently trying to get some guests on here. And uh, so hopefully in the, in the future, uh, KB, you want to give some uh, just little teasers. You don't have to give names, but uh, what type of guests are we going to have coming up? Um, we're trying to look for, for guests that are into things like Doctor Who, um, cosplaying. A Doctor Who enthusiast. Yep. Um, possibly a cosplayer, former cosplayer, to talk about you know the life of cosplaying. Um, we're also talking about um, a, a heavy collector of comic books. Yes, which yes. We may have joining our, our show. And uh, I got a couple of uh, my friends that are looking to come on, also fans of the uh, Netflix Marvel series that want to talk about that. Jessica that would be Jones, interesting. That'd be interesting. Um, a female talking about Jessica Jones, awesome. and she's she's pretty cute too. So. Uh, I want to get her on ASAP. Stop drooling, Jeff. Well, again, uh, you can't drool. No spittle on the microphone. Ones. Yeah, exactly. We need it. We need one of those pop things for for my yeah. uh, peas. But uh, yeah, let's start off. Let's get into some industry news. I know we got a couple of topics here. Um, we're also after we do the industry news, we got a new segment that we're going to introduce, and then we're going to do the final countdown. Um, I have a couple of surprises that KB has not heard yet, so I think that'll be kind of fun. And uh, I'm afraid. No. I'm very afraid. Well, you should be. Uh, KB, I think you want to start off with some uh, Walking Dead news, don't you? Yeah, I mean, everybody, um, you know, when season six ended, everybody was uh, kind of up in arms about, you know, the, well, whose head did Negan bash in with that bat named Lucille? Um, so basically, uh, Kirkman base, uh, recently um, issued an apology for the show. Um, this is courtesy of Inquisitor.com, but it's been in multiple sources. So there's been multiple sources. This apology source material came out around the 11th, 12th. Uh, around that time. Um, so Kirkman basically put in a letter into the comic book, uh, one of his comic books, uh, <clears throat> addressing fans' disapproval of the season six finale. So he says, okay, the season six finale has certainly caused a fever online. Everyone is talking about it. Some people love it. Some people are indifferent. Some people hate it. We were trying to game the audience. We weren't trying to force you to come back for season seven. We hope you're always planning on doing that and still plan on, do on doing that. <clears throat> uh, we did want you to talk, and talk you are. The speculation, the frustration, the possibilities, the theories. Uh, honestly, in my mind, that stuff is fun. I honestly feel like that's, <clears throat> that, that's something fun for the fans to do during the break. Was it Spencer? Could it have been Morgan? What about Carol? 
Did Negan kill Jesus? Note, none of them were there. I'm not giving anything away. I know people are angry over this, but that wasn't our intent. The idea was that after six seasons of the show, we wanted to stay on your mind and give you something to talk about. Um, he basically later goes on saying, um, think of it this way. A character you love is uh, now gone and is going to be missed, is dead. And we gave you extra months to hope, to not grieve. Is there uncertainty? Yes. But that was kind of the idea. But seriously, everyone on the Walking Dead team wanted to do something cool. We wanted to do something different, and we did it to change things up, get people excited, and keep this show on your mind. Um, and then he, he basically finishes off with, um, there's a lot for Negan to do. Be afraid. Be very afraid and, and excited. Um, so, Jeff, what do you think about the, all that? I think it's a load of horseshit. Personally, um, I think that Kirkman is just, you know, he doesn't control the way the shows. I mean, obviously, it's he's got some input, but the, the showrunners and whatnot obviously want to leave it on a cliffhanger. And that, I'm, I'm one of those, as he mentioned in that letter, indifferent type of people. Yep. I really don't care because I'm going to watch the show regardless. Regardless, me too. Um, so, but I will go into some uh, speculation and as going to be typical on this show. Spoiler alert, people. Um, for those that don't read the comics, uh, we know who it is in the comic yep. world who Negan bashes in. With There's multiple film. sources reporting that is a possibility. So and so if, if it stays true to the comics, we can say goodbye to Glenn. Yes. And I think that'd be kind of interesting because throughout uh, last season, we saw him narrowly escaping death a couple of different times. The stupid thing with the dumpster still pisses me off. I was yep. shocked. My, my heart sank to the floor when that scene first occurred and I because Glenn I'll, I'll go out right now and say it Glenn is my favorite character on the show and I was like for him to die that way I was so pissed but I was even more pissed off when they made this like you know magic uh, dumpster that he could climb under and and hide from and I was like whatever then the next time he was in trouble um, I believe I forget who it was it Abraham that saved him I know he was in the community and he was running from walkers, and somebody came with like an AK and took them all out. I can't remember who that was. I want to say it was Abraham. I could be wrong. Uh, Kevin, Kevin, I, I, I can't remember the oh. character. It was uh, the, the the girl that he he um, chased after the girl that was with Carl, uh, with the girl that Carl likes. Not Enid, because he brought her back to the church, and then he. Got in but that's not the one that saved him with the AK forty seven when the walkers. Because Mag- oh, then it was Abraham. Maggie yeah. was up on the on the scaffold as the lookout, and she, she went with him. They <laughs> went to go save her, and then he got cornered. And he led all the walkers away, and then just as he was about to be taken over, all these gunshots came out, and he was saved. I think I'm, I think it was Abraham. I, I can't remember. Um, so that was close call number two. But yep. then the other cool thing is once they actually stormed one of Negan's strongholds and they actually killed human beings. Which up to that point, Glenn was one of the only characters mm-hmm. that never had to kill a human being. I was like amazed with like the the emotion that he showed in the scene, and then he mm-hmm. spared um, was it Heath? I can't remember who the other character was that was with him in that room, but like he'd never never taken a life either. And Glenn sacrificed that since he already took one person's life. He killed the other person for Heath, I believe. But as he was doing so, he looked up and there was a picture up there with a bunch of skulls bashed in, yes. um, which, again, was kind of like a little cool nod to Negan, but like a couple episodes before he even showed up. So that kind of. Yeah. And he said something along the lines of, didn't he say something like, what kind of monster would do this? Or he some, said, something he say, along did he those say lines. something. And so I think it was a little bit of foreshadowing yep. um, for that, that Glenn is going to be the person to get his skull caved in. Um, 
I'd be interesting to see interested to see how that happens with him and Maggie being both you know prisoners there. Yep. Because again, that's uh, such a emotional and powerful scene from the comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I don't want to get too many haters, but I I wish they would go after somebody like totally unexpected like Daryl. Um, and just, which is still a possibility. It's it's a possibility. I don't think they would do that because Daryl is obviously. See, I think they have. I I think he's too popular for the show. I mean, he's the badass. He's the Wolverine of The Walking Dead. Oh, great. And, you know, I don't know if they'd have the stones to do that. I would love to see like them do something unexpected, but I'm still thinking it's going to be Glenn. I'd like it to be like a character that we we are would, are totally caught off guard. I don't think it would be Rick. I would love to see it be Rick too, but we know how imp- important and integral he is to the story and upcoming yeah. storylines in the comic book. Again, spoiler alert, Daryl Dixon does not exist in the comic book. So he can go at any time as a character. If he does, though, I want him to go out badass. Well, that is kind of badass. Kind of took it like a champ. Well, or are you thinking more of like the heroic badass? Th- I'm thinking heroic badass. Like he sacrifices himself to save like Maggie's, you know, or, or Judith or Maggie's baby once, you know, yeah. if if the baby's even born. Um, another spoiler alert. But if you're, if you're listening to this now and you haven't caught up on Walking Dead Season 6, what are you doing? But Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those are my thoughts. How about you? Do you have any speculation? Um, the, well, the Glenn thing didn't fool me for a second. And, and you know, one of the things was the dumpster right away. I kind of knew when that guy, the guy that was with him, I forget the character's name at, you know, at this point in time. But, uh, you know, when he died and the blood and, and, and it was just, okay, there's no way Glenn's not, not dead. Uh, you know, there's no way Glenn died. Um, and then he didn't appear on Talking Dead that night usually when a character dies on walking dead they usually tend to appear on talking dead that night which was kind of interesting um going forward now to you know to to the the season finale um i think it's daryl i really do um you know daryl i know is getting his own show that starts i think in october as well okay so i how many networks have the same person on two two different shows do you do you know what the show is going to be about it's about I, I did see a preview of it. It's about him biking with people cross country. Um, it was it, it looked very blah. It, it it really did. So I'm wondering if he's just maybe doing because again, what they can do is they can always film during the off season of Walking Dead, and he can have two shows at once. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he could, but you know, I I just see that unlikely. Interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I think it would if they did, it would they would have huge balls to do that. Um. I would give them a lot of props for that. I, no, I would too, but I just think it's going it's to be a sacrifice, I think, for a lot of casual fans that are, you know, Daryl Dixon or yeah. Die. For you and I, it's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I love, uh, like, to me, and I, I don't want to sound, I don't know, uh, super, like... Uh, Your man crush. No, 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 not a man crush, just, like, super cryptic. I don't want to sound cryptic, but I love when it's a character that we love, when they kill off a character. Yeah. if they, Because you know it's it's a world where anybody can die. Yeah. And if it is, I love it when it's like you have that reaction where it's like, oh, my God, this character that I like hold near and dear to my heart uh, just like gets taken out. And that's that's crazy. But I just don't know for a lot of casual fans that aren't fans of the comics or that aren't fan, you know, or like, oh, if Daryl dies, then I'm going to stop watching the show. I don't know. I don't know. There, there's some other interesting parts to this um, as well in the article. So out, outside of um, not even just this article, but like I said, multiple sources have been kind of reporting on this. Some of the the um, possibilities of season seven. So some of the things that uh, Kirkman has also he confirmed that um, we will see the kingdom in uh, season seven, um, and we still we should see Ezekiel and his tiger. I'm wondering if it's going to be a real Shiva. tiger or a CGI. Uh, that would be interesting to see. 
Well, we, we kind of got glimpses about um, the kingdom in yes. the season finale, right? Because uh, Morgan was going after, he found the guy's horse, correct? Yes. So, yes. and and when we had the we we seen some instances of the you know the guys with the armor. Yeah. So it's not just the horse; it's it's well, the yeah, armor that, that was, gives it away uh, yeah, as well. I, yeah, I'm just I'm not as familiar. Um, it's been a while since I read the comics with you know the kingdom and whatnot. Yeah. But I know it was like yeah. So the kingdom's has, been like, out of the way. What does he have yeah. like? The, are they the knights or what are they? Do you know what they call them? I, I forget. I, yeah, I forget what they call but, them. So, but it's that body armor that is their significant identifier. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> the. Other thing is that um, they're also saying you know we're going to see a lot more Morgan this season. So what do you think about that? I love that. I I, lo- I you know I know a lot of people hate him, like or just casual viewers, like oh Morgan, you're such a pacifist. I think he's such a great dynamic for that show. Yep. Um, and just because it's it's really you know to me the show isn't about zombies; it's about the people because the people are the Walking Dead. Because even when they die, they're going to come back as walkers, you know, unless they're stabbed through the brain or whatnot. Um. But Morgan, I think, has found some type of inner peace and believes that the only ones that should be taken out are the walkers and all life is precious. And he's being a pacifist, even when it's, you know, some asshole that is threatening to kill you. He doesn't want to do anything to kill them. He just wants to incapacitate and try to reform them, similar to probably the way that he was um, before he kind of uh, learned, uh, I believe it was Aikido. Aikido. It was Aikido, Aikido. So before he was taught all that, I think, uh, you know, because he was kind of out there and he was a little bit crazy for a time um, when Rick and Michonne and Carl came up, uh, upon him with that, you know, ruined town. And, uh, you know, he was he was a little nuts. He's one of those people that came back. Yeah. Like like Herschel would say, say to Rick, you can come back. He was on the brink. And he, and, and they, they kind of even did that with Rick when he, they were in the prison and he yeah. was doing all the farming stuff. And so, yeah, I think I think it's a really interesting dynamic to bring in somebody that's so peaceful to other human beings where you know you have rick who's been hardened by this whole world um he's kind of become what shane was which is kind of another interesting dynamic within the show because shane was you know where rick was where rick is now was where shane was you know in season two so it's just it's kind of interesting yeah very very definitely is uh the other thing that they were saying is that they are for the season seven set they've been trying to keep people away from the set Oh, so, probably so they don't crazy want people, spoilers. Yeah, they don't want people knowing what characters, actors are coming in, going out. They don't want any of that. So, um, be interesting to see what they do. That and that's it's yeah. So basically, Kirkman, whatever he said on this little letter, I think it's he's just trying to put out as many fires as he can with the complaints that okay, you brought us all this way to introduce Negan, you kept building it up, building it up, building it up, and then you stopped, and now we got to wait till what is it, October now? Because they're coming back in October. They usually come back uh, on Halloween. Walking Dead premieres October 9th on AMC. So, yeah. So, as of this recording, it is May. So, we still have another five months, you know? So, yep. it's like, I can understand why that would piss people off. So, that's my take on it. All right. All right. Uh, so, ready for piece number two? Or yes. do you want to, do you have anything else to say about the uh, the Walking Dead side? No, I'm good on the Walking Dead side. Okay. Um, piece number two, uh, what I want to talk about, um, I'm a big fan of the CW network, uh, specifically with Arrow, Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow. And I'm a big fan of uh, Greg Berlanti, who uh, pretty much created all that. And he also created, helped create the Supergirl show, which was on CBS. And I know last week, uh, the last show, we talked about a lot of women power. I think Supergirl is such a great show for 
young females because it's not overly sexual. It's uh, very much almost like a romantic comedy, but she still kicks ass and she's still a powerful character. She's a headstrong girl who's just making her life, you know, making her way through the world. Your dream girl? Uh, eh, I'm not really into blondes, but um, yeah, if she, if she was brunette, <laughs> totally. Um, no, but so my, my thought with that is on CBS, I don't think it was really a good fit. Um, and it had so-so ratings, but when Grant Gustin, who is the Flash on the CW's yep. Flash show, showed up for a crossover, and again, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched The Flash, um, basically right now what they're working with in this season is the potential of multiple Earths. So there's 52 different Earths out there, and he ended up going to an Earth where Supergirl exists, but there is no Green Arrow, there is no Flash, there is uh, no other hero other than Superman and Supergirl. And Supergirl um, essentially ends up working together. They have a team up, and it's 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 hilarious and it's it's super adorable. Like the two, the both Grant Gustin and Supergirl. I can't think of the actress's name right now, but she used to be on Glee. She was on a couple different shows. Melissa ben- Benoist, that's what it is. Uh, Melissa Benoist and Grant Gustin are total. They have great chemistry together. Um, is not to get off topic. Is oh, Grant, get off topic. Is, Go for is, it. Is Grant Gustin going to be Flash in the movies? No. no. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember the guy's I, name, but they're keeping the, the film It universe. was rumored for a while, though, that he would be. Yeah, there. and he he's awesome as Barry Allen. I love that show. It's my favorite show on TV. Um, but they're going a different route on the movie realm as they are. So they're going to keep it totally different, which, again, uh, I'm kind of indifferent towards. As long as the Flash keeps its consistency and its quality on TV, I could care less what they do in the movie. Um, and I don't want to talk about Batman versus Superman right now, where we first no. saw the the Flash or the the potential Flash. I'm sure you'll. We're going to talk about that on a later show, and I know KB has uh, some very specific thoughts, and we'll touch upon that at a later point. Um, but to get back on topic with Supergirl, it was recently announced that uh, rather than canceling the show, CBS is not renewing it. However, it's being moved over to the CW, so we're going to have Arrow, Flash. Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl all on the same network. Just which change it to the DC network. I think it's that would be a fantastic idea. Well, the thing is, is that with the CW, it's still kind of very angsty, very drama, you know, uh, vampire diaries and yeah. things along that nature. Where it's still uh, supernatural, you know, Smallville-ish, where it's all about like you know, kind of love stories too. And I, I can deal with that. Um, but the thing is, is that having Supergirl now leads to so many more crossovers. You can have certain other like ancillary characters, such as like the Atom from Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, and Arrow. I mean, rather, the Atom and Supergirl can team up, and it's just it's really cool because Brandon Routh plays the Atom, who is also he played Superman in Superman Returns. So I think that's that's a kind of a cool nod to have the guy that plays her cousin play a different character and have them cross worlds. Yeah, I mean, I caught most of the Supergirl season one, and it seemed like that. Her, the best episodes are the ones where other characters really made themselves known. Like, you know, when we got to see Hank Henshaw become Martian Manhunter. Yeah, that, and was it, awesome. that was an awesome episode. And then there was um, uh, the Ray Tornado one, which I liked as well. Yeah. You know, um, so so that was, those are really cool. So I think she's really good for that network and the fact that you can't, like you said, you can do all these crossovers. And that's where she shines the most, I think, her shows. Her best episodes, I think, are the crossover ones. Yeah, or at least interacting with other super-powered yeah. beings. Yeah, and I think... Again, from from a standpoint of the show for females, you know, it's it's cool because they're incorporating a lot more females in Legends of Tomorrow and Arrow and The Flash. But The Flash has it's all supporting characters. Yeah. You know, they they have their own arcs, but n- none of them have powers. 
and if you think about it, it's it's the only female solo superpower right. su- super powered right. show on on TV. So right. that's it, it. It is its own unique draw. Right. And Arrow had Black Canary played by Katie Cassidy, and spoiler alert, they killed her off this season. Oh um, damn! So yeah. So I'm not was, caught up, Jeff. Oh well, I just spoiled it for you, dude. Um, I said spoiler alert, uh, and then. Uh, so Sarah Lance, who's the White Canary, is on Legends of Tomorrow, but she's the only, other than her and Hawk Girl on Legends of Tomorrow, are the only two female characters that can kind of kick ass. So to have another superpowered being, another superpower show on the CW with a girl who is headstrong, she has a good job, she's balancing superhero life and her work life, her civilian life, I just think it's a great all-around win for the CW. Now, I do have some concerns about that because they're going from CBS to the CW and they're moving from, I believe it's L.A. to Vancouver. So because that's where all the other CW's shows are shot. And uh, that's going to be a huge reduction in the budget. So we can see that with certain actors leaving because of that. We can see uh, different uh, special effects being reduced. Maybe she's not going to be flying as much. I don't know. Um, so that's one of my major concerns. And also Callista Flockhart, who plays her boss on that show, mm-hmm. I think is so awesome. She reminds me of kind of a, a Meryl Streep in uh, the Devil Wears Prada type of uh, person. And I just think she brings so much to that show. And if the, the budget goes down because of the Vancouver move, maybe she's not going to want to make that move. And maybe they're going to have to reimagine what's happening within that universe. So I'm curious to see where that goes. Yeah, I kind of like a lot of the characters and casting of that show this season. And it'd be kind of be a shame to see some of those people people go. Right. So, But stay tuned. I'm sure we're going to have more about that um, a little bit later as you know the, the new season starts and future shows are going to have more with Supergirl. Um, and speaking of TV shows, I want to just talk about this. I didn't add this to our, our shared okay. document. So there's a third news piece, and I just want to kind of get your opinion on it. There's going to be a new NBC show called Powerless. And this is via, uh, believe it or not, uh, an article from a site called The Latin Times. But uh, the series synopsis is this. In the first comedy series set in the universe of DC Comics, Vanessa Hudgens, who is on High School Musical and Grease Live, plays Emily, a spunky young insurance adjuster specializing in regular people coverage against damage caused by the crime-fighting superheroes. It's when she stands up to one of these larger-than-life figures after an epic battle messes with her commute that she accidentally becomes a cult hero in her own right, even if it's just to her group of lovable, quirky co-workers. Now, while she navigates her normal everyday life against an explosive backdrop, Emily might just discover that being a hero doesn't always require superpowers. So it's going to be a comedy. And it's going to be set as in, in an insurance agency. So I think it's going to be kind of like a Heroes meets the Avengers meets the Office. So that's oh, that is it, like right up your alley. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think I'm uh, very excited to see where this goes. Uh, Vanessa Hudgens, I'm, I think, is a very good actress. And not to necessarily check in my man card, but I think she's very talented. And mm-hmm. uh, one of my other favorites, don't, don't give me that look. Uh, and one of my other favorites is uh, Danny Pudi who uh, was on the TV show, one of my other favorite comedies, Community, and he played Abed. He's, I actually used one of his sound bites in the beginning of the song where he says, cool, cool, cool. Um, I love that character, and I love that actor, and I'm curious to see uh, what he does in this new show called 
Powerless on NBC coming this fall. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. Do we know that. what the uh, date is on that? Uh, I do not have a date. It's It might be a mid-season replacement. They don't know yet. I haven't gotten that information yet. But that's what we have so far. Curious to see the numbers on that show. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Um, before we go to break, I do want to talk about one more thing. And uh, we're going to be doing a new bit a little bit later called Adding Character. We want to add character to the show. And we're going to have some intro music for that in a little bit. But before we do that, I wanted to share another little surprise with KB. And this is more of a did you know. <clears throat> do you know how the Red Skull, villain of Captain America comics, was created? I don't know, but I have a feeling you got it from material yeah. that I gave you. Oh, did you? Because I gave you recently, I gave you a Captain America seventy fifth anniversary. Oh no no magazine. no no! Because I think it's in there too. Was it? I think it's in oh, there. Well, no, this is this is from something else. This is another article I pulled from uh, com- uh, superherohype.com uh, or comic book resources. One of the two. Check out both those sites. They're both great. But uh, this is. Uh, let me just read it. I'm going to read it verbatim because I think this is hilarious. Due to the involvement of one, if not the best comic book artist of all time, Jack Kirby, in Captain America's beginnings people sometimes overlook what Joe Simon did for the character of Captain America as it was Joe Simon who came up with the original design for the character um, of Red Skull. Skull. So Simon apparently had a great eye for design and it was the very same great eye that led him getting inspiration for one of Captain America's greatest villains. And here is the official quote from uh, his book, Joe Simon, My Life in Comics, which was updated in 2011. One day, I was in Times Square at Child's Restaurant. It was a nice place to eat and get away by myself for a while. I would go there for lunch and desserts, and on this day, I ordered a hot fudge sundae. Unlike Kirby, I could have eaten as many of those as I wanted. I was a pretty skinny guy, 153 pounds standing 6 foot 3, and I kept weight pretty constant until I went into the service. But even sitting at lunch, I was always thinking about heroes and villains with all sorts of ideas swimming around in my head. Next thing I know, I had a hot fudge sundae sitting in front of me with the vanilla ice cream and the hot fudge running down the side. It was intriguing. The hot fudge looked like limbs, legs, feet, and hands, and I'm thinking to myself, gee, this would make an interesting villain, I mused. We'll call him Hot Fudge. Just put a face on him and have him ooze all over the place. So... I'm, t- I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break from this article real quick. So imagine we almost had a Captain America villain called Hot Fudge, who's gonna be oozing fudge all over the place. <laughs> so this is this is where it gets really interesting. He says you have to be stupid in this business. Nevertheless, I did some sketches right then and there, and I looked at them. I thought, nah, who would believe anything like that? But then I looked again at the Sunday, and I saw the big cherry on top. The cherry looked like a skull. Wow, I said to myself, Red Skull, that sounds good. And then it made a lot more sense. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's how one of Captain America's most iconic villains, the Red Skull, was created. Is, 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 that, is that post his Kirby's departure to DC, or is that... I believe that was during the same time, because they were working together on, uh, on some stuff, I believe. Okay. So, I just, I just found that article, and I, I started reading, and I said, oh, my God, KB would think that would be hilarious what are your thoughts on having a villain being created from a dessert it's it's very strange but it just shows the creativity of the artist you know somebody who can see past what's in front of him 
and, and, and think of just shape and color and just be like, oh. And it, it wouldn't come to my head, something like that. I'm sure it wouldn't come to yours. No, not you, you know, and, and but that's why those those guys are as talented as they are. They they can think like that, and we aren't capable of that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to take a break right now. Um, we're about at the halfway point for our podcast. I'm going to play a song, um, and I'm going to be doing this uh, for on a couple of different weeks, so weekly basis. This is a band back in 1972 created a bunch of different Marvel superhero specific songs. This one, uh, it's all by the same band, a band called Icarus. This one is called Iron Man. Okay, so now we're going to go on to our new little segment that we're going to be calling, what are we going to be calling that, KB? Adding character? We want to add character to the show? Yeah, we need to add some character to the show. Okay. My character helps, but yours, you know, 
So what is this going to be making fun of me the whole time? Because I I can replace <laughs> you like like that, dude. Don't don't even don't start don't start that. You know this is not going to be one of those things. Um, but yes, let's add some character to the show. And KB, since you are a Star Wars fan, we have a really cool theme. Uh, for those that are fans of Star Wars, you might recognize recognize the song as the Cantina song, although it's an eight bit version. So let's hear that. <laughs> Nobody messes with Adam Wee. I love it. I love it, Jeff. Great. Um, so, our premiere segment of adding character. So, so to- well, yeah, before we before we actually get into this, so adding character, we're going to be introducing a character, whether it be television, movies, um, comic books, which I think this one's going to be. Let's let's introduce the fans to maybe some character that might not be as familiar to some. It's not Captain America or Iron Man. It's somebody else that you should get to know. Yes. So who do we have on tap for this week's adding character? So yeah, so for today's uh, first adding character, we have the character Silk. Um, so Silk is a character that has not been seen yet in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So um, important character to know about. Um, her book is selling very, very well. It's been out a, a couple of years now, but most people who, you know, are not uh, on the up and up with Marvel uh, probably have never heard of her. In fact, it's kind of funny. It's in the show notes, and I don't think Jeff's ever even heard of her. Um, but she's 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 been doing very well. Um, start off just some facts about her. Her real name is Cindy Moon. Um, she's her occupation is an adventurer. Internet fact news. Um, she is an American citizen in Earth six. 16 that is her legal status um earth 616 as many people might know secret wars and the whole if you know the secret war story um basically dr doom becomes a god and reshapes the universe and his his, his likeness so that's where the earth 616 comes from and the 616 though that's the that's the main marvel universe yes that's the, that's current, the main marvel current continuity we're current not talking world. uh ultimate world we're not talking about age of apocalypse no. we're not talking about what if universes no. This is the main Marvel world with Captain America, the Avengers, yes. the X-Men, the Fantastic yes. Four, all of that. Yep. Um, so um, her aliases are Sin, the Bride, Analog, uh, Place of Birth, Washington Heights, New York. She has some relatives, so you have to keep this in mind when you're reading about her. Uh, father, Albert Moon Sr., Mother, Nari Moon, and a brother, Albert Moon Jr., who's actually very important to her storyline. Um, she has some affiliations, uh, Black Cats Gang. Um, where she, in, in the current uh, read that she's in right now, she's undercover um, working for S.H.I.E.L.D., and her handler's Mockingbird, which is pretty interesting. So she's picking up the Mockingbird code name. No, she, her her handler is Mockingbird. Oh, handler. Her handler. Said, Not her handle, hand- her handler so undercover. Yep. Okay, so basically Mockingbird, Bobby Morse, is like kind of like the Coulson to what she's doing. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, so... Um, Basically, so her first appearance was in Amazing Spider-Man Volume 3, Number 1, as Cindy Moon. Um, but her first actual appearance as Silk was Amazing Spider-Man Volume 3, Issue 4, um, where she first wore the costume. Um, her first solo series, there was a Silk Volume um, 1, 1 through 7, Issues 1 through 7, and she currently has a Silk Volume 2 um, that's ongoing, and there's a Spider-Man in Silk um, collaboration that uh, is ongoing as well which is actually a pretty good read. Um, possible love interest, and in, in, in this is an interesting thing with her, is Peter Parker is actually a possible love interest for her. 
Um, her mentor currently is Jessica Drew, who is Spider-Woman of Earth uh, 616. Um, and she has a friend of me, which is Gwen Stacy, um, who is Spider-Gwen of Earth 65. Um, so basically, her story is, her history is, she was bitten by the same spider on the same field trip as Peter Parker. Um, later, her power, her and her powers were discovered by a man named Ezekiel Sims um, when her parents were looking for a cure for her condition. So Cindy agrees to go with him um, when he explains to her that she's in danger from a villain named Morlin, um, who's basically just targeting, targeting her for her powers. So Ezekiel, this man Ezekiel, trains her to use her powers um, and then locks her in a bunker that is designed to prevent Morlin from detecting her because it's, it's a spider sense kind of thing where he detects her power. Um, and she was locked in this bunker for 10 years. So eventually, uh, Spider-Man, uh, through other means, learns of Cindy's location um, in Cindy's story, and he frees her from this bunker. So once being set free, um, you know, it's 10 years later, so Cindy's looking for her family, and she's looking with Peter Parker, trying to, you know, what happened to her mother and her father and her brother. Um, so after a bit of time, uh, her and Peter look, they don't find her, find the family. Um, but during this time, they find that there's a, there's a primal attraction between the two of them. Um, and they ignore this primal attraction. Um, at, at the same time, uh, when all this is going on, they realize that Morlin is still a threat. Um, and this basically um, is a star of the Spider-Verse comics, where there's an interdimensional battle um, with spider heroes from other dimensions uh, fighting at their side. So now with Cindy's lack of experience uh, with fighting and, and, and just being in battle in general, and her, her social awkwardness from just being in a bunker for, for 10 years, um, it causes some problems with the other heroes in the group, um, and in particular, Gwen Stacy. Um, and at the same time, in this same time frame, Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman of Earth-65, becomes her mentor. Um, and so there's becomes a correlating relationship between the three of them, uh, eventually in the books. Um, so she returns home to uh, New York City in Earth-616 six, uh, six uh, to start her life anew, basically searching for her family and also learning how to fit in uh, society uh, in society and to socialize with her peers um, so how she's better than not better but what makes her different from spider-man is one she weaves her own costume from herself so she doesn't have a costume her whole costume is completely woven from that um, and that silk comes from her webbings are from her forearms just like spider-man um, but she, but they're not they're not web shooters like spider-man they're organic they're organic yes Yes. Um, so she also uses the silk as small claws on her fingertips. So it, it creates a hard enough, hard enough um, claw nail to be like claws. Um, she is also faster than Spider-Man. She's also known to be just much faster than Spider-Man. And her strength had been augmented to allow her to lift up to eight tons, which is a bit more than the proportional strength of the spider. So she's a bit different in, in, in that regards. Um, she's a character that you should know because... Um, again, her books are selling really, really well. The story is really good. Um, the origin story that I just gave you is, is a good place to start off. You don't have to go back to looking at, you know, Amazing Spider-Man or um, Spider-Verse or anything like that. You can actually go um, on Amazon or eBay, pick up, because her, her first series was only seven issues, you can actually pick up the trade for a good price and get started on a really good comic and, and a, new, a new character that's going to be very important in the Marvel Universe going forward. Um, so you should definitely, definitely check that out. Okay, excellent. Thank you, KB. All right, now we're going to go on to our final segment, um, and this is going to take a little bit of a longer uh, take for the next uh, 20 minutes or so. We're going into the final countdown. It's the final countdown. 
Yes, it's the final countdown where we both bring in either a top five or a top 10 list or a top X amount list of things that are personal favorites to us. And today's topic... Good topic. Uh, it's it's a great topic. So as I mentioned in our first show, we're not going to strictly stick to comic books and cinematic movies. I want to bring in all kinds of pop culture. Um, so our our second final countdown where we actually get to comprise the list. This is the first one where we made ourselves as opposed to last yeah. week where I pulled from a different source. This, however, is the final countdown of the top 10 ancillary family guy characters this was a tough one it was it was tough so let's just set the stage on what this means though so we're excluding the griffins yes we're excluding brian yes we're excluding cleveland quagmire and joe and bonnie by extension as well you know who else i excluded on this list mort the jew oh you did okay because i, I kind of feel like he was like a secondary character and not really you know, he was kind. Of, he, you see him in enough episodes. With, okay, with, with uh, I'm not going to comment on that. Um, okay, but yeah, so we'll do each one. Where I guess uh, KB, that's where the conversation gets interesting. K- KB is going to start off with his number ten. Then I'm going to do my number ten all the way to number one. So KB, why don't you start off and give us your t- t- uh, ten spot uh, of Family Guy ancillary character, and then from there, uh, I'll give you my thoughts, and we'll go from there. Uh, number ten on my list, Doctor Hartman. Very cool, very cool. Dr. Hartman, and why Dr. Hartman? Dr. Hartman, it's all of the, you know, anytime Peter is hurt, anytime Peter is, (laughs) um, you know, doing something really stupid that gets him hurt, or, um, you know, it's all the, especially the scenes where Lois is asking Dr. Hartman, well, how healthy is Peter? How is he? And he'll he'll come up with all these lines that just drive her crazy, you know? It's funny funny you say that. Yeah, so so it's just one of those (laughs) things where I'm just like, you know, this guy is just, you know, your test results are horrible. What do you mean, doctor? You know, oh, my son got a D on his report. You know, like like things like that. It, yeah. It, it's great just, slap humor. Wait, just wait. It's great slap humor. So, yeah. So, he's my number 10. Okay. Uh, my number 10, and I don't know if you have him on your list. I'll say Dr. Hartman is on my list. He's not at my number 10 spot, though. Number 10 for me is the evil monkey living in Chris's closet. I have not. I mean, I know the newer episodes don't really focus on that, but... Yeah, I love the, the early, monkey. early episodes of Family Guy with the evil monkey, and, and he always, Chris always mentions it, and he pans up to the closet, and you hear that that theme, the the dramatic music, and you see the monkey pointing with his fist shaking. I just think that's such a great gag that was kind of an original bit. It wasn't like all all pop culture references all mm-hmm. the time. It was something original to the show, and I, I kind of missed that. And I like how. As it evolved, it explained how the evil monkey became so angry and evil, yeah. and I think that's that's just great. Yeah, it's hilarious. Um, for so for me, number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Jesus. Oh, I, so <laughs> <laughs> we we got there. We got there really quick. All right, Jesus. J- Jesus, I I know I the newer episodes. He he's actually been a, in in a bit of the, a few of the newer episodes now as well, where you know he's he he pretends to be a virgin and sleeps with tries to sleep with Lois. Um it's just he he's so he's so mortal and he's such an ass hat that you're just like this this is, you know, we all, we all have this idea of Jesus in our head and McFarlane just paints this image of him and it's like 
wow, what, what is Jesus really like? You know, um, and, and the exploits with Peter, they're, they're just hilarious. So, yeah, Jesus is probably my and, number nine. And it led to one of the greatest uh, Family Guy bits, The Bird is the Word. So Yes, you, The Bird is the Word is one of the best episodes. Yeah, that, it's that such, such, a great, yeah. such a great episode. So that's what you got at number nine? That's what I got at number nine, yeah. Okay. So uh, my number nine, I don't have Jesus on my list, um, but my number nine. How dare you? I know. I'm, I'll, I'll repent later. He'll, he'll, he'll <laughs> forgive me. Um, I have Consuela. Consuela, really? I love Consuela. I just, my favorite, and, and I just, you know, she's such a stereotype, and I think it's hilarious. Like, they're not afraid to push those stereotypes. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorites is, I believe it's the one where uh, Stewie kills Lois and they blame Peter, and then they look for the, I think they go to the Fortress of Solitude with Superman, <laughs> and she goes, no, no, Mr. Superman, Superman not, not here. Yeah. I, <laughs> Brilliant, brilliant, and I just think I think it's hilarious. So that's my number nine, Consuela. My uh, number eight on my list is Tom Tucker. Tom Tucker. I, I love Tom Tucker. I I love now he's he's also another one of those characters that now is in the newer episodes you're seeing a little bit more of. And Peter's done a, a few different things with Tom Tucker, like being his agent. And I remember Tom Tucker saying, "Oh yeah, you know, I I, used, I was actually Freddy Krueger or something like that." And I'm just like, you, you know, th- there's way more to the character to this character. Um, and I think it's one of Seth MacFarlane's best. It, it, it's one of his better characters um, in, in the in the scenes with Diane um, in the earlier ones, and just the back and forth that he has with that character, and then the mustache. Yep. When when he loses the mustache, um, you know that that was another thing. Just um, you know his, his his just crazy over that mustache. So that's your number. That's my number. That's my number eight. Yep. Okay. Um, Tom Tucker, not on my list. Really? Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of cheating for number eight, but okay. I just love this. Uh, he's not really an animated character, but my number eight, Conway Twitty. That's a good one. That is a real good one. I just, I love. Uh, or Conway Bieber? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, no, I don't go that far. <laughs> but I just, I love the his inclusion of the episodes and when they just have to do a cutaway and yeah. something like horrible happens and it gets super awkward and Peter's just like, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Conway Twitty. Just, it reminds me, and it kind of reminds me um, how Seth MacFarlane and I yeah. have very similar like childhood growing You're up. You're preparing yourself to Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's my show. I can do whatever I want. Um, no, it's one of those things where Seth MacFarlane, like he grew up with you know his parents and his grandparents. Like He grew up on soap operas and stuff. And yeah. when my grand- grandmother used to babysit me, I grew up on Golden Girls and all this other stuff. Me too. As, so yeah, so you yeah. can, can kind of agree. Like I can see a lot of his humor where a lot of younger viewers that like Family Guy, kids in their you know, 20s and stuff like that, won't get some of those yeah. references and Conway Twitty is just so funny to me that he just cuts to it's it. for his generation right it's amazing it's amazing so that's my number eight Conway Twitty my number seven death death voiced by Adam, Adam Carolla. Carolla okay yes uh the very first episode was was a great episode where you know it was it's one where he broke his uh he was coming to get Peter and he, he broke his ankle or whatever and he you know he had to kill Peter had to kill the cast of Dawson's Creek <laughs> you know uh that was a great episode um and and then you know he's done all the a lot of the, the flashback episodes where you know peter went back to the 80s when he met lois what met lois and um and that's a great bit where they do uh rick astley was it rick astley never gonna give you up where before it was rick rolling was a thing where brian was singing that song and they did the bit of from back, back to, to the, the future. future yeah yeah that, that was a good one and also when um when peter was trying to get death laid by the pet shop girl and he kills her in the end because he couldn't hilarious. stand her nagging about just everything she was nagging about. It was just this is perfect. This is great humor. 
with Jeff, what's your uh, number seven? Oh, uh, number seven for me. Okay, so death is not on my list. Um, <laughs> is it? No. <laughs> you sure? No. Are you that immortal? Is that what you're that's, saying? That's what I'm saying. I'm going to live forever. Um, <laughs> like number- Stewie? Oh, he thought he was going to live forever. Let's, let's not go there. I don't <laughs> want to talk about that episode. But to one of my characters now that was already on your list, my number seven, Dr. Hartman. And I, I don't want to say too much about it because I think you hit some of those points. Just I love my favorite line, and I wrote this down. Mr. Griffin, I'm not quite sure how to say this. Kim I was thinking Bassinger, of that line, Basinger, Basinger. But now onto the cancer. You are a cancer, <laughs> right? You were born in July. I love that line, and, and that that line. That's gets that. Me. That's that. That comedy that I was talking about. Yeah, it's like it's that misdirection. It's the misdirection. The mis- yeah, it's so good, so good because, you, you know, it's it's the shtick that he does and every yeah. everything he does. So my number seven, Doctor Hartman. Uh, so yeah, so my number six, I think a lot of people forget about this character. Bertram. That is a great pick. I was thinking about him. He's not on my list. But a lot of people forget about Bertram, yeah. Stewie, Stewie's half-brother, who, uh, you know, they're just arch-rivals, and they, they destroy each other so many times. And in the, the, the first episode where Bertram appeared, where, um, you know, Stewie got into the sperm, and they, they fought inside Peter's testicles. Was it in his testicles? I believe so. Wherever it or, was. Or his chin, because they look like testicles. Yeah, either way. It doesn't matter. Um, but but that was just I just thought that was absolutely hilarious, and then and then when Peter Peter you know releases himself in the bathroom and he says just look for the twinkle in the fat man's eyes and you know I'm still here, <laughs> and you know he's like good show old chap. <laughs> That's good. So yeah, and it, that was just yeah yeah Bertram for me is one of those one of those characters I just won't forget. So that's your that's your number. That's six. my number six. W- what's yours? So you might have him on your list. I don't know yet, but my number six is somebody that we all have in our lives. Buzz Killington. Buzz Killington. I love yeah, that I thought of him too. Because we all have somebody in our life like that. I, I use that as an inside joke with my cousin. Um, it's hilarious. We or don't you just, or you just sometimes, even though, like, sometimes you feel like you're that guy. In a, in sometimes, sometimes. Like, sometimes. Like, or no, just ma- any, but, maybe you do. No, I but don't. I'm just saying, I think everybody's had that moment yeah. where you feel like you ruined a good, yeah, you absolutely. didn't mean to, but you did. And like, yeah. Well, not even that. Just like you try to add to the story, or you try to like add in your two cents, and like has nothing to do. You're just like so boring. Just like, oh my god, <laughs> shut up! I think we all have that person. Like they're, they're trying to add to the story. So yeah. like my cousin and I, it's an inside joke between the two of us. We have somebody else that we both mutually know, yeah. and when we see them post something on Facebook, we'll each text each other the Buzz Killington photo from Family Guy <laughs> with Stewie holding his nose, and he's like. Ugh. So yes, that's that's my number six, Buzz Killington. Up to number five. Uh, my number five, I got uh, Herbert. Herbert, okay, I, on I, my list, not the, number the, five. The, the but whole, the whole uh, pedophile and in the dog. What's the dog's name? Um, Jesse. Jesse. Yeah. So so they they just uh, the ice cream truck. I I think my favorite episode with Herbert was the uh, the one where he fights the old Nazi, the puppet maker Hans. And they, they, they're fighting, and they're fighting with their... They're, they're, like, fighting in super slow motion. People can't see me making slow motions. Um, but, you know... This is they, an audio they, podcast. They, yeah, they, yeah, they have to... Uh, uh, they, they have to pause. They have to pause because he, he can't get up, because Hans can't get up. He has to call his his um, his nurse or whatever to come and get him up. And, and it's just it's just so awesome, you know. Um, and, and the whole... All the little things about... Uh, I th- there's, there's an episode where he's in the... Was it the thrift store? And he's buying a box with a stick and a in some candy and stuff to catch children. It's just it's just so wrong, but so funny. Love it. Uh, what do you got at five? Number five. Uh, I'm gonna say three words. It's raining sideways. <laughs> Ollie Williams. Ollie. 
I love the fact that he, he they treat him like such a stereotypical character. Like you see like these news shows, especially yeah. around here in Massachusetts during the snowstorms. They have these weather people and whatever standing out on these snowstorms. Like, yeah, it's really snowing out here. I just love the fact that they stick Ollie Williams out there and he's just How's weather, Ollie? It's cold. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I just I love that. So that's that's my number five, Ollie Williams. Uh, my number four, and he is one of my favorites, and it, this is where it got tougher. When you got into like the top, like you know, four, three, four, it got a little tougher. Um, the giant chicken. I love the giant chicken. We need to. We need to have a. a we're gonna have to come up with some type of uh, punishment. But go ahead. I'll, I'll explain that in a second. <laughs> I don't want to know. Uh, the giant chicken. The, the chicken fights. I think those are some of the funniest Family Guy episodes. Um, the best one though is when him, him and the giant chicken are like, "What are we fighting about?" And they forget, and they're like, oh, let me take you out to dinner. I remember some coupon or something. And then they, they go to dinner, and they talk about, oh, yeah, you know, we should never come to this place. Now we're here all the time. And then, you know, they go to they, they go to pay the check, and Peter's like, I got this. And he's like, no, I got this. And it's just like. And they just start they just fighting, start fighting yeah, again. It's, it's the animosity. Just, the, the animosity. It's just, it's just so, so funny. Um, and then what was really cool is like, you know, when they did the Simpsons crossover episode. They did Homer and. A Homer you know, Peter fight that, you know, used basically the same, mm-hmm. you know, the same humor as, as, as the chicken fights. So, um, yeah, the, the giant chicken, um, the brawl to finish them all, I guess is, uh, my favorite kind of thing there with him. Well, this is where I said we needed the punishment because I think we need to have some type of, uh, retribution. If one of us chooses the same character in the same spot, because my number four is also the giant. Yeah. Chicken. But who gets punished? Near I, I don't know. We have to, we'd have to come up with some type of, uh, some type of, I don't know what you want to call it, but some type of uh, punishment or retribution or uh, like a, a doorbell sound or yeah. a ding, 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 like we won yeah. something because we both came up with the same. But yeah, number four, Giant Chicken. Uh, not too much to add to what you said, but I love those epic fights that come out of nowhere. Like the story's going somewhere, and all of a sudden you see the chicken show up, he jumps Peter, they start fighting, and then they fight for and about... Re- and remember the first one. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. They they fight, and then Peter comes back in. Like it ends with you know him walking out into the background. He's got the tear in his pants. You can see his underwear, yeah. and he walks right back into the scene where he was still talking, <laughs> and he finishes the thought, and that's hilarious. So yes, number four, giant chicken. Uh, so moving on to number three. Yep. Uh, number three for me was your. I think this was your number nine, evil monkey. Nice. Um, e- the evil monkey to me is basically everything that you said before. Um, the seeing his origin was, was funny to be like, I, he, he wasn't Chris. Would, how did Chris say it? He wasn't always evil. And, and you know, the evil monkey tells a story. Um, and in that episode too, where he befriends Chris and then he gets all the evil out of him. That's interesting. You know, yeah. did you see, did you see that? Episode? I, I, th- I believe I did. Yeah. I, yeah. I've, I've seen like tons of family guy. Yeah. And, and so he said, you know, he's helping Chris with his homework <laughs> and all this stuff. I do remember that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. So, um, it, it, it just, yeah, it, I, I think, too, as, as an adult, you know, um, I don't think kids today believe as much as Monsters in the Closet as, as kids no, when no. we were growing up, you know, probably did that a bit more. Um, so it's kind of for some adults like, oh, yeah, was there ever something in my closet? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was an evil monkey, maybe. Um, but yeah, so so he's yeah, he's he's my number three. And, and he's so iconic, too. Like his, his pointing. I yes. Love the, I love the shaking and the pointing. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's iconic, I think. Well, my number three, uh, I don't know. I can guarantee you that you don't have my number three on the list. Okay. Uh, it might be controversial because it's not one character. It's four characters. Uh, I thought of this. I was going to make this. And, and I, have, I have a little a little something toward the end of this list. 
uh, a little informational uh, <laughs> stuff for you folks. But um, the barbershop quartet. Yes. I think that is. I love. They've only appeared like twice, right, or three uh, times. Yeah. Well, the, there's the one famous. The, right. The one well, famous and I'm not going to yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, we're one. not going to do that yet. But. But uh, no, you'll you'll hear a little bit more from the barbershop quartet. Um, but that's my number three. I yeah, that's a great number three. Like I said, they were going to be on my list. Um, so for me, number two, I don't think you have this one on your list. Okay. God. Nope. I I yeah. So because I I wouldn't pick Jesus, so I pick God. <laughs> <laughs> so so for me, the 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 God the scenes with God. Are just so good. Like when Meg's like, "God, kill me now," and he's he's standing there with a sniper rifle. You know, uh, there's, there's an episode where uh, Jesus is calling God and like saying, "God, it's not working out here. Can I come home? Mm, try back in six months, son. Not right now. Tell your mother I sent the check." You know, and then he's like, um, he rolls over. He's like, "Hey, baby, is it something? Like, I do we have to use a rubber tonight?" But it's my birthday. <laughs> like so, so the, the the God character I think is really good. I think the best one is when the Patriots are losing. And Peter, Joe, and Quagmire go to find heaven to talk to God about letting the Patriots, you know, because they, they thought that God was stopping the Patriots from right, winning. Right. And then it was, well, you need to get Belichick to smile. <laughs> you know? That's, that's so, pretty impossible. <laughs> yes. Which they managed to do, which is, which is awesome. Um, so, yeah. So, God, for me, is, is, uh, is, the, is, is the character. Number two. Yep. My number two, um, and I think... Based on the how much I know you, I think it's going to be your number one. Yeah. Uh, my number two is Adam West, um, and I just I my favorite scene, and I, I think you're going to probably add more to it um, if if he is indeed your number one. But we'll we'll get there in a second. Um, Adam West, my favorite scene is when Lois becomes mayor, mm-hmm. and then she gets um, you know all like the the different uh, she starts like giving in to like the different corporations mm-hmm. and whatnot. She starts becoming greedy. And she finally can't take enough. Uh, she takes. An, she's like, I'm done. I can't. I can't take all this yep. uh, corruption. And she basically quits. And then they're all by the lake, or the uh, yeah, but they're all by the lake. And Mayor West goes, "Hooray, I'm mayor again!" And then <laughs> one of the, the other people in the crowd goes, "Well, don't we have to start a whole new election again?" And then he takes a handgun and just shoots him. He goes, "There, now nobody else would hear him." And then he shoots this next guy that says that. And then he's like, "Does anybody else hear anything?" Or, and then some other guy goes. My wife does, <laughs> and it's just like it's the funniest damn thing. I just love Adam West, so that's yeah, that's my number two. I, Adam I, West. I, I um I liked him in the Simpsons episode when they're sitting in the uh, courtroom. Yes, and he's sitting next to Mayor Quimby, and he's like, "Are you a mayor? You're a mayor, right? But are you a cool mayor?" <laughs> <laughs> I am. <laughs> they just walk out. Yeah, Adam West just has so many great moments, and and he's consistent on the show too. He's he's probably one of those more consistent, you know third tier characters that on the show um that I, that i just really i and i enjoy him as a whole so um but it, it just kind of walks me into my number one which is adam west um i love adam west um the way he's reinvented himself the yeah. way that he keeps going he he is you know he's the stan lee of the dc universe in, in a yeah, lot of ways in, in, some, in sense. some ways yeah in some i mean sense. he was the original batman um, in the 60s television and show. he still does a lot of cartoons and stuff yeah um and, and i love that he makes fun he's he, he makes fun of he doesn't himself. take himself too seriously he doesn't take himself seriously and and i think that's it, it, i think that's where you can compare those two guys is i don't think either one of them those guys takes themselves too seriously um but it's just some of the some of the silly antics too it's like when he's chasing down was it uh somebody with the cat launcher Yes. And he like shoots the cats around and then he's like, your name is Paul. Paul's not a cat's I name. I saw that That's clip that when I was researching. <laughs> like, it's just so, so funny. And, and Adam West is, um, you know, he's definitely one of my, he's definitely one of my favorites, hands down. 
What's your what's your number one? So number one on my list, you've already mentioned him, but I think he's so iconic. Um, I'm gonna call just say number one is Herbert. Really? Yeah, I just think he's so iconic as a character. He's just he makes every scene that he's in, and it's just so damn funny. This whole pedophilia thing that he has with Chris. Um, it never gets old either. No, that's what I'm saying. I think it, he keeps it fresh. You know, whether they're doing like uh, songs and Chris is singing and then it pans out and it shows Herbert in the tree looking with binoculars and he's singing the song with Chris. Um, but my favorite is when he's actually babysitting the Griffin family. <laughs> and Meg's like, well, no offense to you, uh, Mr. Herbert, but I'm a 17-year-old girl and I don't need you here. He goes, well, no offense to you, Meg, but you're a 17-year-old girl and I don't need you here. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's just perfect. That's just perfect. So that's that's my number one. The iconic Herbert. I, I liked. I liked when he did when he lost Chris. When him and Chris were getting really close, and he um, he I forget for whatever reason Chris and him aren't hanging out. And then the episode ends with um, now the Little League World Series on ESPN jackpot. Yes, <laughs> like yes. it's just, it's just it's so um, it, it's so obviously funny. It's like gross and funny at the same time. It's great. Excellent. Love so. It. Good final countdown yeah. for the the first one that we actually created and, and you know kind of curated this list. Um, we're going to be going out in a few minutes. Uh, before we say goodbye, though, I just want to perform a, or give a public service announcement, a little educational session in Free Your Geek. So let's just, I'm not going to say it myself, but we have some other people that want to tell you about something very important for all you fellas out there. Lois, you're getting your tubes tied. Why should I get my tubes tied? You should get a vasectomy. First of all, I don't know what that is. And second of all, no freaking way. Peter, it's the male equivalent of a woman getting her tubes tied, except it's actually a lot quicker and safer. Let these guys explain. A vasectomy's a medical procedure. One that makes you half a man. You're half a man. Remember when you twisted up your garden hose? Well, essentially, that is the plan. That is the plan. Well, I'm starting to get the picture, but how's it done? You make a small incision in the scrotal skin. Isolate the vas and Isolate the vas and then you hold it in position with a towel clamp. Then you snip the fibrous tissue. Then you snip the fibrous hey, tissue. Then you'll never have to wear a condom when you do it with your wife. Or anyone else you do it with, we promise not to tell. Like that new hot chick at work. You know the one who always has high beams under a ribbed white cotton t-shirt, but then stares daggers at you for checking her out. And it's like, why do you wear that if you don't want attention? But you know you shouldn't think that way because of the sexual harassment meeting you all had to go to. Seriously? How lame was that? And you couldn't help but notice that the female lawyer running the seminar had a huge rack. Like ridiculously huge for someone who has to talk about that kind of stuff. Well, I guess that's the definition of the word irony. Goodbye. Say goodbye to manhood. Goodbye. Say goodbye to babies. Goodbye. Say goodbye to kids like me. Thank you, Mount Your Sack. So, yes, thank you for that public service announcement. I wanted to have a The More You Know theme playing from the old NBC <laughs> with a shooting star over the rainbow and all that fun stuff. Um, but, yeah, so that's just uh, I want to share that information with all you folks out there listening. I didn't know that, Jeff. Now well, I know. There you go. And knowing is half the battle. That's another G.I. Joe reference. There you go. 
Um, okay, so we're just about out of here. Uh, Kev, do you have anything to plug? No, just uh, episode two is uh, going to be available Friday. So uh, start your weekends with your geek friends. Yeah, that's my catchphrase, but that's okay. I'll let you. I'll <laughs> let you start the weekend with your geek friends. Uh, I am Jay Free. He is KB. You can hit me up on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is jfree eighty two. J F R E E eight two. Um, and I also have a website, jfreethegeek.com. That's J-F-R-E-E-T-H-E-G-E-E-K.com, jfreethegeek.com. Also, if you're listening to this on Podbean, check out our Facebook page, Free Your Geek on Facebook, Free Your Geek Podcast. So that's all for today, folks. We'll catch you next week, and I'm going to leave you with another little uh theme song that I wrote and have a good weekend folks You're still here. It's over. Go home. <laughs>